as the world is writing a new story of global kinship, postmodern missionary dives into what it means to be a missionary pushing against the heritage of colonialism. Join Reverend Katie Meek as she explores life and faith in Sarah Welcome to episode 00B of the Postmodern Missionary Podcast. I decided I wanted to start to unpack essentially my name and why I'm doing this in the early episodes, really even before we get started. So you heard in the last episode that I talked about what I mean by postmodern. Well, in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about what I mean by the word missionary. What I find is that Everybody has an idea of what a missionary is, and most of the time, they are not fully accurate. <laughs> um, so m- most of the time, what I find is that I'm operating under um, an old paradigm around what it means to be a missionary. A lot of people assume that I'm inside that old paradigm when I'm really trying to push against some of those walls and moving toward a new paradigm. So all that to say, um, here I am. I have a conversation with a missionary friend of mine. Her name is Emily Everett, and she'll introduce herself a little bit more. But she and I had a lot of conversations early on in our missionary career around this word and this idea of what it means to be missionary. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. We by no means solve anything. (laughs) Um, And by no means do we hold the market on what that word means. But this is simply a conversation to enter into the fray around missionary, being a missionary, what it means to be a missionary in this day and age. So you'll also get to hear her beautiful voice and spirit, and you will love her. She is the best. So I'll let her introduce herself, but here she is and our conversation around the idea of missionary. Hi, Emily. (laughs) Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for um, being, uh, especially on the early end. So um, as it is right now, I've actually recorded, I don't know, like maybe 10 interviews, something like that. Um, eight interviews, okay. something like that. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, I did it all last summer and then promptly got distracted with teaching. And so... <laughs> happens. It yeah. Happens. So now I'm here to, um, actually uh, launch it. I'm ready to launch. So that's awesome. Um, but I wanted you to be the one cause I'm like early on, I want to talk about, um, two things. What do I mean by postmodern? Because the name of the podcast is postmodern missionary. And then also mm-hmm. like have a discussion about th- the word missionary. <laughs> Um, and kind of, uh, what that means to both of us. Um, because I like, we both come from Texas. We both, uh, like we have a a similar, I think maybe, well, I don't know if it's discomfort or a similar hesitation with that word missionary. Right. We understand that it's a loaded word. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, so to the listeners, I need you guys to know that I am recording this over Skype. I am in Sierra Leone, West Africa, and Emily, where are you? 
I am in uh, Brazil and I live in a city called Belo Horizonte, which is in the state of Minas. It's about four or five hours away from Rio. So in the southeast part of Brazil. Yeah. And you are fluent in Portuguese, yeah? In Portuguese. So it's exciting to be able to have these kind of conversations in English because that's not something that happens all the time for me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's crazy because I speak mostly English here, but... Um, and so, but I know that life in a different language is, I mean, like, it's just kind of fundamentally different. Yes. Yes, it, it very much is. It is. And it's, it's interesting when I went home for Christmas last year, um, it takes a little while to transition back. And so for like the first two or three days, I would catch myself like automatically speaking Portuguese to my family, just like little sayings and different things that come out of your mouth without thinking like, yeah. oh, cool. Or, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it definitely is. It is very different. Yeah. I do that with Creole. Um, and assume that people should understand because Creole is a derivative of English. And so like in Creole, uh, okay. instead of saying, be careful, you say, take time. So I have a friend who she said she went back to America and she kept saying, oh, take time, take your time, take your time. And her sister was like, what are you saying? <laughs> and like, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> oh, just be, be careful. It makes sense. But <laughs> anyway, it does make sense, but you have to process it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's life in Creole. <laughs> um, OK, so tell us about yourself before we get into the conversation around missionary stuff. I want you to tell us about yourself and I I think I want to have a longer interview with you later with more detail, but, mm -hmm. um, but like, tell us about yourself and then how we met, et cetera, et cetera. But first yourself. Okay. So, uh, my name is Emily Everett and I am from Houston, Texas, uh, born and raised Methodist, uh, went to seminary at, uh, Southern Methodist university at Perkins. Uh, I'm an ordained deacon in the Texas annual conference. I was ordained in 2016, uh, now serving in Brazil. And I've known for a long time that I've wanted to be a missionary. So that was, that was kind of always part of my calling. Uh, and it went kind of hand in hand with the ordination thing, um, knew that I wanted to be a deacon because because of the whole bridge building between the church and the world and very much felt that was part of my calling. So I have been in Brazil since January of last year, January of 2018. Um, so I'm coming up on the halfway point in terms of our three-year uh, terms. That's so, uh, so yeah, I got an... I know it is crazy that it's already been that long, that it's halfway um, longer for you because you got there a couple months before I did. Yeah. Um, I was a music major in undergrad, so I love music and I love dancing. And let's see what else. I've got two sisters. Uh, my family uh, lives in and around Austin, so they're in your part of town, your part yeah. of Texas. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. And so I work now with the Shade and Freshwater Project here in Brazil. It is a ministry of the Brazilian Methodist Church, and it works with children and youth from 6 to 14 years of age, also teenagers up to 18, but that's a, a place that we're kind of expanding right now. Um, and so it's an after-school program. Kids here in Brazil go to school typically only half a day, and so we use um, the other half of day, other half of the day um, to do program activities, Christian education, sports, music, all those kind of things, technology classes, um, to give them a safe space and environment to come. Um, and we've got about 55, 60 projects all over Brazil. And I wow. do 
Um, so I work uh, two days a week at a local project here uh, outside of Belo Horizonte, where I live. And then um, I also do mostly like international relationships. So um, helping with volunteer mission teams and grant writing and newsletters to our partners, because we've got a lot of partners all over, um, both in the U.S. and Germany and all over the place. So wow. that is kind of what I do and a little bit about me. So you're like the international kind of liaison between supporters on the outside and people on the inside. And also they're doing a lot of administrative yeah. stuff. Yes, correct. And so, um, so there is a couple of missionary, a missionary couple, uh, Gordon and Tekka Greathouse, who have been here since the 70s, 78, I think is when they got here. Wow. And they've been working with Shade and Water. And so they retired last year. Oh. And so I've, I'm kind of here to continue to carry the baton, but they're still very active. So they retired here in Brazil. And so I work with them very closely and may I see them. They're like parents to me. We live on the same street. And so I see them quite a bit, which is nice. Um, so there's a little bit of, of transition time and like, you know, lapping, Sometimes English can get hard for me when I think in Portuguese all day and then I find myself <laughs> missing. I'm like, what is that English word again? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. Right. I get you. Stuff that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I could go down a whole road about Creo, but I won't um, because I feel the same, even though Creo is a derivative. But um, so how did we meet then? I'll let you tell the story and then I'll add stuff. So we met at missionary training in October of 2017, um, so almost two years ago, which is crazy to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because we're both from Texas. We're both like, I mean, in like I'm in the Texas Annual Conference. You're in the uh, Central Texas, correct? Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so I remember when I saw your name on the email of like all the missionaries that are going to be trained. Like Katie Mead, I know that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. And I like I Facebook stalked you, obviously. Right. We had and like, I was like we have a lot. Of like 35 similar friends or something crazy. Yeah. I was like, we have a lot of friends in common, but I've never, I don't think I've ever met her. That's no. really interesting. Um, so yeah, so we did missionary training for two and a half, three weeks in yeah. Atlanta in October of 2017. And, um, yeah, so that's how we met right before you took off for Sierra Leone and I came here to Brazil. Yeah. And I remember, um, I will tell you thinking, I really hope that this Emily is not one of those lame, boring pastors. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, I hope she's fun. I lived up to your expectations. You 100% did. 100%. You showed up and you were wearing like really big earrings. And I was like, okay, I'm going to like her. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. No, I do like big earrings. So that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. That's funny for impressions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I remember. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I remember being at the airport and I think they sent a driver and we were waiting for you and, you know, just that like whole newness and you don't know what to expect and yeah. you're a little anxious. And then as soon as I, you know, I remember walking to the car with you and going, okay, at least I'll have like one, one friend here that I know she seems cool. So right. I know we'll get along. Yeah. We've kind of have parallel lives in many ways. Um, it's not funny. Yeah. It is really strange, but I felt, yeah, I felt immediately like, Oh, this is kind of like my soul sister. We're going to have a good time. Um, and I feel like <laughs> we did. <laughs> we walked every morning at training or a lot of mornings and got up and did some exercising yeah. together. And that was really good to process all the things that we were learning at the time, because how many, I think 
it's yeah. supposed to be three or four weeks and we ended up doing two weeks training yeah i think it i think because of scheduling conflicts for a lot of us it was supposed to be three or a little bit more than that and it ended up being just two weeks so they had to condense yeah. a lot of stuff we did a and lot i remember of things. like we had several similar, similar questions and and we, I think our brains think alike in many ways. And so we wanted details and answers that mm. we probably were never going to get in missionary training anyway, Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we wanted them. <laughs> we wanted all the details and the answers. Well, it was good training for what, at least, I, I don't know, culturally speaking, if, um, if people in Brazil are more detail oriented, but, um, in in general, they just have in Sierra Leone, they just have a lot less anxiety about things working out. They're just going to work out. Oh, that's so lovely. It is lovely, <laughs> but it causes my like, you know, semi type A personality to be like, but I need to know how <laughs> I want to know how right, they're going to work right, out. Right. But the truth is they always do. So it's fine. <laughs> they always do. That is that is true. That is true. All right, so let's talk about the word missionary because you and I had lots of conversations on walks out mm -hmm. in Atlanta um, about that word. So um, you said you always knew you wanted to be a missionary, but like, what did that mm -hmm. mean to you? And was the word like was the word a part of it? So it's interesting because when I say I always knew I wanted to be a missionary. I don't know if I, I put it in those terms. Um, so the first time I ever went overseas, I was in college and I spent six weeks in the Philippines in Manila living in Smoky Mountain, which is a um, community built around a active garbage dump. I don't I can't say that I know it's still um, an active garbage dump, but at least at the time in 2004, it was. And we lived with families. I was on a team of about six or seven people that were living with families and working with a Catholic priest in community building. And over those six weeks, like, I just felt this, the birth, I guess you could say, like, this desire of, like, this is, like, I could really do this. Like, I really love experiencing God in different cultures and across languages and seeing what God is doing all over the world. And, and yeah, I was on a mission trip, but I don't know if I necessarily, like, said, like, oh, this is what it means to be a missionary. I just thought, like, I really love experiencing God in other cultures and living life with people. And it was so different than anything I'd ever experienced before because literally they dropped us off and we're like, all right, well, um, the trainers or whatever, our coordinators were like, we'll be back in a week, get to know your family. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what, what do you mean get to know my family? Like, we don't have anything scheduled for the next week. And they're like, no, just hang out and get to know your family. Wow. And so that was when I first kind of was like, oh, wow. Like, I, I really feel like my heart is opening in a way that it has never opened before. And then after I graduated college, um, I wanted to go to a Spanish speaking country because um, Spanish is very useful in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and I applied for the uh, Global Justice Volunteers, which was a program of the Methodist Church. Um, and they sent me and they said that I was going to go to Brazil. And I said, well, wait a second, you must not have read my application because I don't speak Portuguese. What am I going to do in, in Brazil? And they said, well, it's, it's this or it's this. And so, um, so I said, okay, fine, I'll go. And sure enough, like within 
a few hours of being here, like I felt something click in a way that I had never felt. And within, I always tell this story that within a few hours of me being there, I was in the community where I was going to be living for the next um, two months. And like, I just, as I stood there looking around and like listening to all of these sounds of this new language and the smells and everything and just taking it all in, um, the spirit of God, or God's voice said to me very deep within my soul, you're going to leave a large part of yourself in this place and it will stay here forever. Wow. And that's, that's kind of true. And so I don't know if I ever really equated, um, being a missionary with that calling. I mean, it is because I have a, a call to the church and, um, and so I knew in a sense, like there was a time that I thought, well, maybe I could do the Peace Corps or do something else. When I was younger, I was kind of a little more desperate about wanting to come back to Brazil mm. and looking at other options. But I think I always knew like God just continued to direct my path to seminary and, um, and everything. And, and so looking back now, that was the first time I came to Brazil was in 2006. Uh, and now, I mean, it was 12 years later that it took, like after I heard that first call of this is where, you know, this is what I want for you. Wow. It took 12 years to actually come back. Um, but looking back, I absolutely know that was, that was what I needed. And I'm in a different place in my life now that, you know, I was, I was ready. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and, go ahead. Just, no, I was just going to say in terms of the, the question that you asked, like missionary, it is definitely a loaded, a loaded term. And we, we did have a lot of these conversations. And the problem is, is that usually when you enter, like when you're talking about someone and telling them what you do, right. it's never in a place where you can like have a deep theological conversation and unpack it. Right. right. Like, like give the nuance behind all of that. Yeah. Right. You're in an Uber or like for me here, like I'm in an Uber and like, what do you do? And like, oh, I'm a missionary. Oh, right. okay. You know, or like people have, because everybody, like I had my own ideas of what it would be before I came that are totally different. And people in the church have different ideas. People outside of the church have different ideas. And so I think my biggest struggle, I don't think internally I struggled Mm -hmm. with the idea of, of being a missionary because I knew I'd experienced so like I knew that that was God's call for me and I'd experienced it in so many different ways over the years that that it was fine for me internally because I had done that work but my bigger discomfort was other people's perceptions right um because they didn't necessarily have to wrestle with it and 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 also that came into effect. Um, that happened when I became a pastor too. Right. right? And so I had already kind of done that work and, and had the awkward conversations of like, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, right. <laughs> like, what did look, I say? You don't look like, a, right. You don't look like a pastor. Well, what does the pastor look like? You know right. what I mean? And so, um, the three years that I was at the, ch at the local church, worked in a local church and served there, I think those were definitely three years of me owning kind of my pastoral authority and, and pastoral identity, which mm -hmm. helped make that transition into um, becoming a missionary and, and owning that. So yeah, like, unless you have the, the opportunity to really unpack it and be like, okay, well, like, you know, what do you think a missionary is? Like, yes, the history, you know, because you can't really cover thousands of years of, you know, 2000 years of colonialism and, and imperialism, you know, depending on your, where you are at the moment. So right. that can definitely be difficult. Right. Like it comes, it just feels like the word comes with a lot of baggage mm -hmm. and it, it does. And it comes with baggage 
like everybody has an expectation of what that means. Um, and depending upon who you're talking to, like what group you're talking to, um, Mm-hmm. It's like a different expectation <laughs> um, because no, sure. like I find that in many ways it's a, I like, I receive really positive feedback from people in Sierra Leone, but at the same time they immediately expect a certain thing of me because I call myself missionary. Um, and in many ways I'm on, comfortable with what they expect um mm. like uh like they kind of, i mean some t- uh, how do i say this like i think i think sometimes there is an assumption that i've come over in order to to teach a quote better way um mm. and uh, like that's not really necessarily what I'm here for. Like I, I want to come in and, um, like, and, and be a part of the community and in that way be transformed personally myself. And, but then also, um, encourage and empower what is already here essentially. Mm -hmm. Like that's the way that I see my work as a missionary is about encouraging and empowering what's already here and not coming over and saying you're, you guys are doing this wrong. Well, and I think that like, um, definitely when you, when you think about mission missionaries or being in mission, um, I was actually just reading, rereading, um, a book that I read in seminary called mission An essential guide by it's right here next to me, Carlos Cardoza Orlandi, who was one of my professors oh, yeah, in seminary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he talks about the, um, being both an object and a subject of mm-hmm. mission. And this whole idea that like for most of Christian history, um, the U S and Europe have been seen as the subjects of Christian mission. And we go and we work and we bring God's word to the objects of Christian mission. Right. Um, you know, the people who are going to receive Jesus and join the church and whatnot. And so thankfully, I think within the past 20, 30 years, I don't know, maybe longer, maybe shorter, that, that reasoning, that, that logic or rationale has changed to the point where we understand now that all of us are both objects and subjects in mission, right? Like all of us are subjects in mission as we go in and participate in what God is doing in the world, but we also are objects of mission, so to speak, um, in terms of even like God becoming incarnate, if you want to get theological, you know, I mean, like God came in mission to the world as Jesus and we are objects, so to speak, but even Jesus empowered the disciples and empowers us. So it's this like both and right. Right. And it's funny because it's interesting. Sometimes I'll, I'll catch conversations or, um, that, you don't realize because you and I come from a, a, a society, a culture that was not um, colonized in that sense. Yes, we were colonized, but not in the sense that South America or Africa was. And right. so even now I'll catch like, for instance, people will idolize the U S and it drives me crazy. Right. Right. They're like, Oh, Brazil just stinks and everything in English and in the U S is better. And I'm like, what, you know, and then I have to realize, Oh, only that's, you know, hundreds of years of colonial thinking. And like, they've been, uh, uh, oh gosh, what is that word? When you, inferiority complex, right? right? And so you definitely have to understand that that's where they're coming from. And like, we kind of did that, right? Like Mm -hmm. we, you know, I mean, the dominant culture did that to them. And so we've got our work cut out 
for us in terms of working through that. Right. Yeah, that's the same, um, especially here with Creo in particular, because Creo is a, um, they call it a lingua franca. So it's a, and some people call it a pidgin language, but it's actually a full language derived from English and some Portuguese and um, French and Yoruba, which is a um, African language. And but okay. but when people talk about it, especially early on, they would say, "Oh, it's just bad English." Um, it's just bad English. Hmm. You'll pick it up really quickly. It's just bad English. But that's not actually true. It has sophisticated rules and um, that are that are actually that take something are relatively difficult to learn. Um, and and not only are the are the gram grammatic rules sophisticated, but also it's a tonal language. And so um, context matters the way that you the way that you say the word matters, like all of that stuff. Mm. And so it kind of drives me crazy that that um so often just around it gets devalued as this lesser right. thing when essentially what it really was um is uh, was a, a language um of people who enslaved people in the united states um who is almost like a code language so they could use english um but speak to each other in a way that their that their oppressors didn't understand them so in some ways it's like this really beautiful um, yeah, it's a, it's a language of resilience and resistance. Um, and so, but that's not necessarily the way that they think about it. They think about it as this lesser thing and the ideal is English and everything else is lesser. Mm -hmm. Um, and it kind of drives me a little crazy that people assume that when I come in, that's the idea that I'm also going to be espousing. Like, that's the paradigm that I'm walking mm. into. You know what I mean? Right. No, it is interesting because every once in a while I feel like I disappoint people because, yeah. like, some people get real excited, like, if they hear, like, oh, my gosh, a, a U.S. missionary, like, an American, which is a whole other term that we can talk about, like, in terms of American. Like, y'all are Americans just as much as I am. Like, North America doesn't get, you know what I mean? Right. Like, it doesn't anyway. have a special status. I, so I try <laughs> South America right, is exactly. also America. Um, Central America is, is, is also, also America. Is also, yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, but they're like, oh, a missionary from the U.S. Like, and they just ask me all these questions about like, even people are very curious, you know, so they like want to know all about evangelical culture and like, do you know this band and do you know this song and do you know this preacher and do you know that preacher? And I'm like, some of them, obviously I do, but others are like, no, mm -hmm. no, I don't. No, no, I don't know that either. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I think I kind of disappoint people. Right. <laughs> like when I don't know more about certain things from the U.S. Um, but anyway, yeah. So it's definitely, um, it's interesting. And I will say that Brazil, um, they've been, the Brazilian Methodist Church has been an independent church for about 85, 80, 86 years. Don't quote me 100% on that. Yeah. Um, but they've been independent for long enough that I will say like they own their power. Well, like they're, they're very organized and, and I don't feel like anyone ever looks at me as like, Oh, Emily's coming in to save us. Emily's coming in to do something better because they're very well right. developed. Right. Um, but you, but I do definitely have to always on my end, be careful to know what is my role as a missionary and, and as somebody from the U.S. Right. And also know, like, what is my role to take on? Like, what is specific that I can do? And what is specific that I, something that I need to empower the people to do themselves? Because the reality is, is whether I stay another year and a half or another 
10, 20 years, like I can't, I can't make them dependent on me and they're not. And and I don't think anybody here has ever treated me like that, or I've never gotten that impression, but it's more internal when I see like, Oh, I can do this and I could do that. And let me do that. I'm like, no, this is their responsibility. Just navigating those, that, that relational balance can be a challenge. Yeah. Because the truth is I, I have like eight things that I want to say in response to that. Um, I do want you to unpack, um, in a minute, I do want you to unpack um, what you would do, what you would say um, when you were saying, like, in an Uber, you don't have time to nuance what you mean by missionary. Right, very right. Um, but so at some point, I want you to tell me what what you do mean by missionary. But um, I I do think that um, there is this like balance and rub between okay so I don't want to be um the the missionary who comes over comes in and and takes over but at the same time it is a little bit like ingrained in us I think as Americans that it's like oh no I know the thing so let me come in here and um and and like there is this pull to like be in charge or take over. So like for me, I have a tendency to want to do this like American thing, which is say, okay, we could do this more efficiently. Let's do this, 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 and this, um, and then pull back from that. So the reality is like, I don't want to, um, contribute to this old paradigm, but at the same time, there is, Mm -hmm. there is something I think in my, um, upbringing or perspective that, that wants to come in and then do that anyway. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. For sure. No, it is, it is a challenge because, and I, I think I remember us talking about this at training, like, okay, because we talked about this balance of like learning from the locals and valuing local wisdom. And then at one point you were like, okay, so like, is there any point in us being there? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like maybe we should, you know what I mean? Like what is our role as outsiders? Because we do value local wisdom and knowledge and experience and we should. So like, what, what is our role or what is our, our place, so to speak? And I would say for me, at least I try to look for those things that, um, I mean, something as easy as like translation. Right. I'm like, okay, like that isn't something Brazilians, many, so I mean, some do speak English obviously, but that's not something that every Brazilian can do or, you know, like writing newsletters to our partners or trying to find those, those bridge building. I mean, I'm a deacon. So those bridge places where I can connect people and make sure I, Gordon, um, great house always talks about missionaries as being the grease, mm-hmm. at least here in, in Brazil, kind of like the grease that kind of makes things work and right. relational grease, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just being in the middle and that's hard, right? Because you're in the middle, like Mm -hmm. between the U S expectations, like, especially since I'm working a lot with like international relations and the Brazilian expectations. And so I'm in the middle going, Oh, I don't know if the U S is gonna like, if they're going to really want to do it that way or like, okay, those are the rules, but you're like, you know, like I see your point and I see their point. And so sometimes being in the middle can be, um, very challenging, but, um, yeah, uh, just a lot of grace and trying to find those places where you can be bridge builders um, in the midst of those two cultures. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a um, spiritual director slash counselor who talks about ministry and life at the intersections that like good ministry happens mm. at the intersection mm-hmm. of two different things. And, and in many ways, I feel like most of my ministry has been 
um, like that's where the juice is. You talk about the grease, like, um, that's, that's, that's where the power is for me. This idea of, um, like we, we do live in a global society. We can't ignore each other. (laughs) Um, and, and we have to learn better ways of understanding each other and caring for each other. Um, and absolutely. And I feel like part of the missionary, um, part of the missionary's task is coming to the intersection of two very different people groups, um, as a way of, um, uh, of in some ways building, yeah, you talk about bridge building, like building a bridge between the two, but then also, I mean, I think for me, some of my work, most of my work, I think is to my own people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I, and I don't have the same job as you, like I don't host teams really or anything like that, but I do, but I do have, um, a thought that probably at some point I'll go back home and and be a pastor at home. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that we in the United States do a great job of getting outside ourselves to understand and to love well people who are different than us. And so, like, for me, part of my missionary work is to learn how to do that myself and let the Lord transform me in the midst of that so that then I can go home and be a leader in the process of us doing that. Absolutely. You know, it's, it, I, I think you're absolutely right. And you had asked about um, my definition of, of missionary. Yeah. And so I'm going to get back to something you just said by leading with this. So um, for me, being a missionary or being in mission, I mean, that's participating in what God is doing in the world. And I mean, you can make it a lot more fancy than that, but when it comes down to it, to me, it's just saying yes to God, to let God use you. And that can be, that can be anywhere. So, I mean, you, like everybody is a missionary, everybody, you know, can respond to the spirit wherever they are. Um, like I said, I felt a specific call to respond by being and working with God and doing what God is doing in another country. Right. And I think that's kind of what most people understand as missionary. But the reality is, is that we have a call to be missional, to participate in what God is doing in the world. Right. Um, and that a lot of times inside the church, a lot of times that's outside the church, um, because God is way bigger than, than the institutional church. Um, but in terms of like teams and you were saying like, we don't necessarily know how to to learn love others well and to, to live in that tension and, and mission work is all about transformation for me like when teams come here and I've only worked like I've only worked with a few but when teams come here and in my experience in mission trips when I lived in the US and came a big part of it is learning together right like I learn I come and I come out of my cultural context and I go into another one and I see how they do things and it inspires me to go back and continue to work in my own context with the skills that I've, that I've learned. Right. Right. So when I was working at the church before coming here, we would call them learn and serve trips instead of mission trips, Mm -hmm. because you're learning and serving with the people. And then you bring some of that back to your own context to say, okay, like, what is it? Because the truth is, and a lot of people say this, the truth is like, yeah, I could easily spend, send the money I was going to use on a plane ticket for my whole group and let them build that building by themselves or let them do. Right. But I think God calls it. And that, and that is tricky. So I'm not going to say like there is, that's a whole other conversation, right? right. Because which would, which would be I, a couple I, hours worth, but go ahead and, and give us some right. of your, that wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I do think what is missing in that, like just send money and don't go yourself. There is, there are relationships there that 
are are that allow us to be transformed in ways that um, just giving money would never would never do. Is it messier? Yes. Is it um, less efficient? Yes. But is it the way that God does things? Right. I I tend to think so because we can't love people that we don't know. Right. And so, and we have a typical fear of the unknown in the U S. And so once you go someplace and you experience them, that from the other side, it's hard, it's hard to, to, to go back. You know yeah. what I mean? It's hard to look at people in a generalized sense once you've built honest relationships with them. Right. And a couple of things I want to say about that. Like, I feel like sometimes the money thing um, does feel transactional. And I just don't think that the grace of God is, mm -hmm. is transactional. No. You know, um, right. and I think also there in any kind of missional relationship, there ought to be some kind of mutuality. Um, and so mm -hmm. um, the the paradigm where we give and they receive is the colonialist paradigm. And we have to fight right. that um, because uh, that's not the that's not the reality. So like when I say I came over here for myself to be transformed, that to me sounds relatively selfish and kind of crummy, like they're not here to transform me, which is true. Um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't, I, I do expect that in ministry anywhere I am, I'm going to change. Um, and, Absolutely. and I, and I think that you have to place yourself where, and you feel God is calling you, um, to be and recognize mm -hmm. that God's and, and let the, the, the people that you're in relationship with, um, change you and grow you. I mean, I think yeah, that's part absolutely. of what it means to be human and also part of the grace of God as we grow. Mm-hmm. Um, no, for sure. And I... Go ahead. No, you go. No, I was just going to say, I feel like the, the relation... I mean, on all the trips that I've ever been on in terms of mission, um, it is the relationships that change you the most. And, and often, like you were saying, we have this American-U.S. mindset of efficiency and we're here to do a job and, you know, and, and in reality, like, yeah, I mean, you have, you have a purpose, right? Like you have something you want to do, but God is at work in spite of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and oftentimes the most transformative things happen when you put your plans aside and you work together as, as equals. So this past uh, month I was in the Northeast of Brazil with a team from Georgia, from Tuxton, UMC from Athens, Georgia, mm -hmm. and they've been coming to Brazil for over 18 years, not always to this community. They've been all over, but they've been several times to this community and they helped, um, start construction on the central church in 2004. And now in this, in last year, they started construction on another church that was like an offshoot of the central church. And so to see that there were three people from the team that were on the original team in 2004 come back this year and to see the love and the deep connections after 18 years yeah. of working together and watching the Brazilians and the, um, the people from the U S work side by side, have lunch together, then sit under the big cashew tree and try to find worship songs that were in both languages. Right. To me, I just go, okay, this is what heaven's going to be like. Like this is the yeah. kingdom of God, right. Yeah. To figure out how we can be in relationship with one another and it doesn't feel transactional and it's not, you know, I mean, they worked very hard all year on construction when this team wasn't here. And so it's really a privilege to be able to, to work side by side. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's also interesting because I think oftentimes people from the States will come over and because they're only here for a week, they'll idolize certain things about 
the Brazilian church or the Brazilian context, just like right. Brazilians idolize this, you know, they're like, oh, wouldn't it be great if the U.S. church had all of these young people and look at them, they're all here working and we don't have that. And I'm like, okay, like nothing is 100% good or bad. Like, yes, that's wonderful. But you also have these other issues, you know, it's, it's, it's complicated and it's messy, but right. working side by side, um, definitely gives you an opportunity to experience God in a way that you wouldn't be able to, but you can do that in the U S too. Right. I mean, like sometimes it's just a matter of opening up your, your church to somebody, you know, to a community that's right outside your door that speaks a different language or whatever, that that happens as well. Yeah. Um, so, um, one thing that I think we as global ministries, like what global ministries ought to be able to do, um, because I think where, um, where there is a, uh, disconnect between this whole like mutuality thing is that Americans go overseas, but generally the people whom they visit overseas don't have a chance to, to reciprocate. And, and right. so for me, I think that does start on a missionary level. Like we, one of the, my favorite things about global ministries is our core value is we send missionaries from everywhere to everywhere. So yep. like used to be a colonialist mindset is the white folks go to people of color most often and bring in Jesus to them. And, um, and, and it's very kind of like evangelical. We're coming with the truth and we're giving it to you. Um, but uh, mm -hmm. I think a postmodern mindset is, would, would say that actually, um, it, uh, we uh, in the West need mission as well. Like w we need to receive. Um, and so I mm. think that one of the ways that we, um, that, that we could improve as global ministries is to have, I, I know that like, um, countries in Europe do receive missionaries, but I think in the States, it would be really great to have a missionary from Africa and not necessarily a missionary from Africa to work within African communities, like uh, immigrant communities, but a missionary from Africa right. to the Anglo community, to the white churches. Um, and mm -hmm. that might work on, uh, on staff at a, at a local congregation and, and, um, and, and for the church in the United States and people in the United States to be able to receive what they have. Um, because, um, right. our, the, um, general secretary of global ministries, when we met him, I don't know if you remember this at, um, at our training, he talked about, he quoted a German theologian who he, who he's recently told me who it was. And of course I lost the thing. So I don't know who it was. The German theologian said, talked about the charisma of the outsider. So like talked about missionary work and mission ah, work yes. um, in terms of the uh, charisma of the outsider. So um, it's not necessarily um, about one group coming to another group because they have truth, but rather truth is culturally embedded. Um, and so that mm -hmm. means that different cultures experience that truth differently. And each culture has something to offer from the wisdom of that culture to other people. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And so I, I do think that we still have a long way to go. Um, and one of the things about this podcast is I talk about pushing against a heritage of colonialism. Like colonialism is not mm -hmm. it like the effects of it are still here. And so I think one of the ways oh, that yeah. we're meant to well, like one of the growing edges that we have is that is is to bring about that kind of mutuality. And unfortunately, like we're not used to that in the States. We're not right. used to having people 
from other cultures come in and hold positions of power, right? right? Like we're, we're okay for them to come in and like be a part of our community as long as we maintain the power. And so there's definitely power dynamics that are at play all, all over the place in terms of that, that, um, that it's not just, uh, it's not just allowing people to be present, but making sure that their voices are, are equally heard right. and making sure that the, the power dynamic is equal. You right. know what I mean? That all voices are, have a, have a place at the table right. and that, that is a challenge. Yeah. And I, and I do think probably any missionary, um, from outside would have an uphill, uh, that would mm -hmm. be, I mean, they would have to be a very gracious person. <laughs> Um, because I think oftentimes we don't even realize that we're being condescending. Like we can be condescending right. without even realizing that that's what's happening. Absolutely. No, it, that's you're you're absolutely right. So we at the project we have um, global mission fellows, which are the, is the young program that program for young people in the Methodist church from yeah. 20 to 30, where they can go and spend two years. Yeah. And at our project, I mean, it's just amazing because like the kids at our project live in a very small community. Um, many of them have, you know, not really been out of that community, but over the past like eight years, we've been receiving global mission fellows. And so they've, they've met people from like Estonia and South Korea and all, I mean, we have got somebody right now from Togo and cool. from Zimbabwe, from Angola. I mean, like all of these places and cultures yeah. that they are exposed to yeah. that they would never have any other chance to be exposed to. And so it's just, um, it's, it's just a really, it's a really enriching experience to, awesome. to have, to be in relationship with people. Yeah. So I was just thinking about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one, one place that we're doing things right. Um, and, uh, and it's, I think it's a little easier because young people are a little bit more nimble and open-minded, but then also I think it's a shorter time span. It's just two years. Um, but like, I think, yeah. I think last year, the last class was like 50% African. So essentially we're sending from mm -hmm. African countries, we're sending missionaries all over the world, yep. which I just think is so awesome. All over the place. Yeah. I have, um, actually three young men who just went to training, um, who are from the, who I know personally, who are now, um, going to South Africa and I think, um, Ireland maybe and someplace else. I can't uh, remember, but, um, um yeah, super cool so all that to say like I kind of feel I do want to ask you one more question about uh, missionary service but while I'm thinking about it um I kind of feel like in some ways like we're we've made progress but we're not quite there and so right. uh, for me part of the reason for this podcast is a, is is to try and actually step into trying to continue to make more changes like being, you know, like live into a different paradigm, which, and I, there's all these Christian cliches, but you know, building the bridge while you're walking on it, right? Like you have to, you, you're, it's a, it's right. walking into an unknown something, but being a part of the, of the bridge that will get us there. Right. So, well, and I think it's a matter of, of continually saying yes to step outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Right. And continue to learn and continue for me, continuing to tell your story. Yeah. Um, like in terms of when you go back to the States and sharing, because I think a lot of people have one 
expectation or what, you know, and then when you tell your story of like what it's actually like, or you bring stories of other people, um, then people have their, their mindsets opened and, and they shift and their perspective gets a lot bigger. Like, Oh, I had no idea that it was, you know, that people in Sierra Leone were like this or this or this. Like I just imagined all of Africa is one big country. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so using your voice to continue to um, challenge people to step outside of their comfort zones, but also to, to continue to tell stories, not stereotypical stories. One of the right. things that um, Gordon always says is that people don't want to see the, I mean, they know that the poverty and the, misery, I guess, like the problems exist, like people are motivated by hope. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so telling stories of hope and finding that hope to share with people, I think is one of the, the best things we can do as yeah. missionaries. Well, and for me, uh, like, I think we hear too many of the stories of people who are in poverty and that is a really bad thing. Right. But what the stories that we're not hearing are the like premier philosophers that I interviewed last year who are bringing, uh, who, who have like amazing minds who are bringing something forward in the world you know um we're not mm -hmm. necessarily hearing the um the stories of of uh of like the success stories um and so to right. be able to tell the stories and and to introduce people to um to to people that they might not otherwise meet or hear about i think is really important Absolutely. No, it is. Mm -hmm. So I have one question for you because I, I, I can't quite get it out of my head. I decided, um, maybe a couple of years ago that I, I wanted to start, well, actually I, I, I wanted to combat racism in myself and, um, and it, it was kind of independent of becoming a missionary. Um, but one of the things that somebody suggested was you need to start following people of color on Instagram and, and Twitter and all the places, right. And start reading people of color and all of this. <laughs> but one of the things that I have seen several times lately is, um, this idea that all missionaries are colonizers. Like, I don't, I don't have the exact quote. I couldn't go back and find it, but like, I've seen that a couple of times on different Twitter accounts that quote, like essentially straightforward missionary work is colonization work. Um, so, and, and not just was back then, but is now today. So if you're a missionary, you're a colonizer. Like how, how do you feel about that idea? And what would you say to that? Well, Honestly, I would want to, I would want to have a conversation with the person who made that statement because mm -hmm. part, like part of it, obviously I can agree with that there is like that we live in the heritage of that. Even now, like we've talked about, like it's, it's not all, it's not all, I mean, just because we're aware of it doesn't mean that it's, it's gone. Right. However, like I, I would be interested to know if the person who made that statement has ever been in like in mission or has ever like experienced anything other than that or like where they're com where they're coming from right with that because obviously we definitely see the legacy of colonialism and whatnot but like I, I wonder if if you know like but they might not have seen the kind of relationships that are built over time and you know and I think also it's interesting actually I think it was the same professor that I just mentioned um Carlos Cardozo Orlandi mm -hmm. that made a comment to me once that I thought was so interesting he said Emily when it comes to mission work and like what because I was having this crisis of okay like I'm, I'm white middle class female privilege like why you know like why do I feel so called to this other culture right like why do I feel 
I have no family that's Brazilian. I just, but I know I love it. And is it colonizing of me to want to work in this environment? And he said, Emily, he said, in that sense, it's more how the people see you than how you see yourself. Because if the people tell you you belong, yeah. then you belong. Yeah. And I'll never forget that, that, that if they're the ones who get to say, like, you, you belong or not, like we, we, you know, and that comes after a long period of, of right. trust building, right. relationship building, and you can't assume that just coming in. Right. It takes a long time to, to build that trust. And I mean, I even think about that with some of the people I worked with the first time I came to Brazil and like, now I'm very close to them. You know what I mean? Like now I kind of feel like an insider, but it's, but I, you know, not that I ever felt like a full outsider, but you know what I mean? Like navigating that relationship. Um, yeah. And if it is tricky, but yeah, I would like if you come in wanting to be in charge and 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 essentially with what colonialism would have brought in then you will never be that right you will never be the kind of the exactly. person that belongs and they will never give you that they might just they they they'll let you do your thing um right. and go on doing what they do essentially right. so like um so so it i i do think that it happens i do think that it's still an issue. Um, and I do think that in some ways it's still an issue in me. Like I am unlearning a lot of things here. Um, and it's about coming in with the humility to say, I, there's a lot that I don't know. And that's another thing that I like about our paradigm is we don't, we don't go in, we don't go in and say, Hey, that's a place that needs us. Essentially what we do is we wait for the leader of whatever organization, the indigenous leader from whatever organization to, to, to say, no, we would like some help from the outside, or we have this Mm -hmm. job opening that we think could be filled by someone who is different or, you know, whatever. Um, so, so it has to be at the invitation, um, of the people who are already here. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do think that uh, some of the missionaries out there fall into that category, but I, but I also think that, um, that, 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 that I think that the gospel and also globalization right now demands that we interact with each other. No, absolutely. It does. Um, it does. And, well, here's the thing it, from, from the U S perspective, like a lot of times uh, what I've noticed, um, is that people always ask me like, what is like, what do people in the States know about Brazil? Because they know everything about the States. Right. Right. So I think sometimes like you say globalization, we have to relate to each other, but it, it, like we in the U S are still in a place of privilege right. that we, we don't have to, so to speak, you know what I mean? Like we have to choose to do it. Whereas everybody else gets exposed. I mean, I watch local news here in Brazil and I know what's going on in the States. I know what's going on. You know what I mean? Whereas there, nobody in the States, not a whole lot of people, you have to choose to seek out that information and and relate to it. So, Um, and so a lot of times, yeah, I was just going to say, so in that way, essentially what we're doing is we're ministering to the people back home. Um, as much like as much or more as we are ministering to the people where we are. Absolutely. Um, and that's part, that's part of the gift that we offer to the church at home. Well, um, I know we could talk about this a hundred more times and maybe we will. It's nice to hear your voice. 
It's nice to hear your voice too. And it's nice to have these kind of conversations. So I know you're like, you're in a teaching position at a seminary. Um, and so everyone, so you probably get to do a lot more theologizing and yeah. And whatnot. Um, and since I'm working with kids, my, my skill set is definitely other. I mean, I still preach every once in a while when people invite me to churches and whatnot, mm-hmm. but, um, it was nice to kind of think theologically and, and think through all of this stuff for a little bit. Cause I don't always get a chance to do that in my day-to-day life now with, with work. So well, it was good. nice. Well, good. I'm glad. I think next time I was, we can do it again because I like these conversations too. Um, but I wonder if next time we should get Lorraine on the call. Um, Lorraine is, uh, would be lovely. Yeah, I actually saw Lorraine in South Africa. She's one of my interviews. Um, so to get an, uh, nice. a Zimbabwean perspective um, on all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's make it happen. Yes, we will make that happen. I like the idea. Okay, cool. Well, let's let's talk sooner than the next time I interview you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we definitely will do that. All right. We will be in touch. All right, awesome. Well, thanks. Okay, that was my sweet, sweet friend, Emily. I hope you enjoyed our conversation, and I hope it sparked some ideas in you, maybe um, pushed some new new perspectives, and um, kind of gave you some, some food for thought. So now, the next episode, we will start in earnest the Postmodern Missionary Podcast with a series of interviews from people here in Sierra Leone, mostly people here in Sierra Leone. So thanks for being here. Thanks for following me. You can get more information on postmodernmissionary.com and um, on all the socials at Postmodern Missionary. God bless you, all the people. <laughs>